Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word, hosted by Utah's own Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for today's conversation. Hey, welcome back to Shouts of Grace Radio. I am your host, Steve Pearson, pastor at Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah, and we are delighted that you can join us here today. Hey, listen, if this is your first time listening to Shouts of Grace, I encourage you to go to shoutsofgraceradio.com, and there at shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all the past broadcasts. I believe there's something like 81 or 90 of them now, um, as well as drop us a, a little uh, a little email or a, or a suggestion or something. We'd love to hear from you. If you are a return listener, hey, we want to welcome you back. Thank you for your support, as well as Key Radio for the use of their studios here in Provo, Utah. And also, if you don't have a home church and you are in the northern Utah County area, we would love to see you. Why not stop by Redemption Hill Church? Uh, We meet Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at Vista Heights Middle School there in Saratoga Springs. We have been going through over the last several weeks a series that we've entitled Lessons from the Pulpit. And what I wanted to do is kind of tap into the, the wealth of ministry experience and life experience Um, from several different pastor friends of mine um, over the country. And so today we have um, a friend of mine, Stephen Durbin, from Oak Hill Church in in Williamson, Georgia, right? That's right. (laughs) So so Stephen is the pastor there. Um, Oak Hill has a heart for church planting and coming aside, coming alongside those those new church plants, and we hooked up um, probably a couple years ago. And man, they have been a blessing to Redemption Hill. Um, their staff. We we recently went out there earlier this year and was just blown away at the hospitality. I mean, when they talk about Southern hospitality, brother, I had no idea that existed in a church like that in the West. We just kind of we just do our own thing. You guys love people, man. That is, I was so blessed. So thank you again for having me out out there. Oh, it was good to have you, and we're looking forward to you coming back soon. Awesome. Hey, um, Stephen, we've been going through this series um, and just kind of lessons from the pulpit and just the, the peaks, the valleys that, 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 that pastors go through that maybe people don't know, and, 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 and also just how things pertain to everyday life. And so um, I wanted to have you on today because I, I know you're relatively not new to ministry. You're relatively new to Oak Hill maybe in the last two or three years, if, if, if my memory serves me correctly, and just, just kind of tap into your into your knowledge basis to kind of what you've experienced as a pastor maybe some of the things that some of those valuable lessons that God has used to refine you both as as a pastor as a person um I'd love to talk I know you um I, I know you have some adopted kids I'd love to talk about that before we before we close and just everything that God's using you in that and so so as you have been in ministry now for for several years how how long has it been it's almost been twenty years. Wow. Okay. I'm sure you. I, and I, I, if I if I'm correct, I think you were a student ministry as as well. And so, look back on that and 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 kind of touch on this idea of of how God has refined you in the church, both personally as well as as a pastor. Maybe some of those valuable lessons that God has showed you. Yeah. You know, I think early on, because I don't look like a pastor, and I probably don't always act like a pastor. I rarely <laughs> dress. 
like a pastor, whatever that means. I know when I think of the word, used to think of the word pastor, there was a certain image that came up. The shirt was always tucked in, the jeans were creased, great <laughs> hair, just a, a great voice, and kind of a commanding presence. And I was more like, uh, work at a tattoo parlor, or, uh, you know, maybe I'm a little... And so I know I wanted to sound like someone else. I wanted to be like someone else because that's what I thought I needed to do. And probably four years after being in ministry, I came home one day and told my wife, Rebecca, I said, babe, I'm not even a real good me. I'm a terrible somebody else. <laughs> and I was, I was, I mean, I wanted to sound like Louis Giglio and I wanted to have, you know, this type of look and this type of build and, 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 and just, I just couldn't do that. And I just came to a place where I needed to get to where I was okay being me with Jesus on me. Mm. Um, just working through my strengths, uh, my abilities, and even, Steve, through my disabilities. And that's that's one of the prayers I will often pray before I get up and preach and teach. And all the positions I've had in ministry up until this point have been in a teaching, preaching-type role. And so I'll pray, you know, God, when I gave my life, I told you if you gave me the platform, I'd, I'd point everybody I could to you. And I didn't mean that, Steve, in a sense where if you do this for me, I'm going to do this for you. Because sometimes that was in a public school library at a middle school with two students. Hmm. And I'm speaking at an FCA. And sometimes that's overseas in front of seven or 8,000 people. Hmm. And everything in between. And so I think just getting to a place where you are comfortable in your skin, um, and trusting the sanctification process that, that Jesus has begun and His Word promised that He would complete in us as we make ourselves available and usable uh, for His glory. Hmm. You know, that you, you say that, and, and I, man, this, the thing that kind of sticks out to me is it's so often I think we, we tend to measure our, our own selves by others in the body of Christ. Exactly what you yeah. said. It's like, it's like, well, they've attained to this. I mean, I, even in church planting, I found myself in this trap that God has to stop me where I look back on people that have church planted and now they got great successful churches. And I look back and I think, okay, I remember when they were at their two-year mark and this is where they were. And, and God, we're, are, are we there? Are engaging success by yep. other people's blessings, not realizing that I think our path is something that is is unique for our calling and what God has called us to do. And and and, and I think you see that a lot with, with young adults and they've got friends. I know my, my oldest daughter is dealing with this, you know, well, not anymore because she's engaged, but prior to being engaged, she was like, you know, I'm I'm a whopping 21 years old and all my friends are, are either married and got the one or two kids and, and God, I'm behind and just just not being okay with where God has us, you know? And and I think that can be dangerous at times, you know, because God has fashioned something where he's conforming us into the image of, of his son. And so and so as as a pastor, do you ever struggle with with or have you struggled with, you know, being in youth ministry and looking at other youth ministries and, and maybe going, man, how can we, you know, because it just seems like the devil is always working on us where he's taken our eyes off of the sufficiency of Christ in our own life and he's well, wanting us to yeah, look everywhere else. <laughs> we live in a culture where if you work hard, you're rewarded. And if you work hard, you are um, noticed and elevated and, and there's success. There's something tangible. Hmm. But in the economy of God, that success is not always growth. Hmm. All things that grow are not healthy. 
Now, healthy things do grow, but they don't always grow by our expectations. I, I grew up in a, a larger church in southwest Georgia. My home church is Sherwood Baptist Church. And they, um, they ran about 1,500 people. So I was used to that, that size church. Well, the first church we could serve where I'm the student pastor in South Atlanta, I had 12 kids in my youth group. I had the same amount of kids in my youth group as Jesus had in his. <laughs> and I remember thinking, and, and my church was before, between a hero of the faith and student ministry named Larry Lawrence at First Baptist Jonesboro, and then the lead singer, Captain Crowns, was at the other side of us, um, and they're running three and 400, and I'm like, I can't compete with that. You know, I mean, literally every Wednesday, I was dropping our youth stage because mold would form. And I'd go down there with Clorox and try to make it presentable for the 20 kids that would show up. And I remember thinking, if I could just have 300 kids in my youth group, then I would have, I would have made it. I would have been successful. And then after years in student ministry, we saw God do some incredible things at another church I was serving, and we got up to 425 kids. And I remember thinking, if I could only have 12 kids, that would be so great. <laughs> And so success is this really, really strange animal that we feel like God measures our success by how many people we're reaching when really God is measuring our faithfulness. Amen. And I remember hearing Steve Canfield say one time that comparison is the sport of fools. Hmm. That for me to look at other people that are doing what I'm doing, because it's one of two things that enemy does— he either causes us to look at people that we're doing better than and it puffs us up, or he causes us to look at people that we're not doing as perceivably well as, and it beats us down. And both are damning in the kingdom, and they both neuter us in the gospel service of Jesus. Amen. And so learning to run in the lane that God has given us and trying to be as faithful as we possibly can, it is tough, but it's, it's, it's paramount to the longevity of health and joy as we serve them. Yeah, you, you know, and, and this just isn't something that, that you know, as we talk about in ministry, I mean, this is something that, that really is in life because it goes to the, to the center of man's depravity. I mean, the Scripture says, the Proverbs says that the heart of man is never satisfied, and that means yeah. that whether, whether the expression or the outlet of that unsatisfied heart is in church life or personal life, I mean, you see this in marriage. You know, the grass is always greener over the septic tank, right? It's just something that... Yeah. That, that whether it's our job, I mean, whether it's, it is church, whether it's relationships, I mean, it just, it never ends, Steve. And it's like, it's like we live with, with the, with our brokenness every day. And the fact that, that e e even, even having a wonderful, I was just thinking about this the other day when, when, when we were in California, we, we lived in a 500 square foot house, about 10 minutes from the beach. I mean, you literally had to go outside to change your mind. You walk in and it's a two bedroom, you know, one, you, you had to move, you know, I'll just, I won't give a visual, but let's just say in order to shut the bathroom door, you kind of had to move out of the way a little bit. Right. And, yeah, and so you put, you're putting the key in the front door, break the back window. <laughs> exactly. So when we moved to Utah, I mean, everyone out here has got like 30 kids. And so when you moved to Utah, Every house is massive, and we moved in to an eighteen square, eighteen hundred square foot house, and we thought we were kings. We thought we were, we're like, this is a castle. Well, I was just looking the other day, and and I'm like, man, our house is like way too small. It never ends. It's just like you know, and so so I think I think when we talk about the brokenness of man and the expression of that brokenness and being unsatisfied, I think we we live with it every day. You know, one of the things I want to I want to touch on. I want to take a real quick break. One of the things I want to talk about is. 
you and your wife um, have have adopted a couple of children, and so I want to kind of kind of kind of get your perspective on that, and and because I'm sure that's 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 a that's a ride all in itself. And so, um, if you're listening, we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve. At Shouts of Grace Radio, we're thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah on the airwaves with the good news of eternal life from their station in Provo, Utah. Key Radio can be found online at keyradio.org, and your support of Key Radio makes programs like Shouts of Grace Radio possible. Now, let's join Pastor Steve for the conclusion of today's conversation. Hey, welcome back to Shouts of Grace Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pearson, pastor of Redemption Hill Church. And I am um, on the phone with a friend of mine, Stephen Durbin, from Oak Hill Church in uh, Williamson, Georgia. And we've just been kind of talking about lessons from the pulpit, things that we've learned and, and, and things in life. And we've just been kind of talking about certain things pertaining to ministry, about how the unsatisfied heart just kind of expresses itself in a lot of different avenues. But I want to switch gears here for a second, Stephen, because uh, before the break, I had mentioned that, that you have... Had, um, adopted two children. I've always fascinated when people who have children adopt children because it, it really talks about a different part of their heart and that that I love tremendously. And so tell us about that story and kind of what led you guys to do that and, and, and what have been the joys from that? Yeah, well, we were never those people that were going to adopt. We never talked about it in college, uh, early marriage. And part of that was I think people approach adoption sometimes in an unhealthy way. Um, they'll talk about kids like their you know, accessories or, or purses. Like, I'm going to go get a Hispanic baby or I'm going to get an Asian baby one day. Like, no, these are actually people. Like, they, hmm. they actually are made in the image of God and, and need to be loved. And so our process was just me. I felt like God put it on my heart one night. I asked my wife about it. I said, hey, you ever thought about this? She said, nope. And we didn't talk about it for six more weeks. And so when I brought it back up, we began talking about it, and the whole stand that we had was that if God's big enough to say yes, he's also big enough to say no, let's let him just speak into the process. Mm. And we began to pray about it and have meaningful conversations with people that we didn't think were cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and we felt like we're, we're doing it with, with proper motivations and the right heart. And, you know, Steve, I don't know if you know this, but... We actually had two failed adoptions before we got our first daughter. No, so I we didn't. Through the, yeah, we walked through the last uh, trimester with a mother, and uh, we went to pick her up from the hospital, our little baby girl, and the mom changed her mind. And so we wow. left empty-handed. And then uh, just eight weeks later, we were in the delivery room with another birth mom and birth father, and um, first to touch her, named her, cut the umbilical cord, took her home, and eight days later, the mom changed her mind. Oh, how heartbreaking. And so certain states, oh, it is devastating, but certain states have different revocation periods. Sometimes moms have zero days to change their mind, sometimes three, five, and ten, and that state was ten, and so we were two days away, and I remember it being incredibly heartbreaking, and my wife said something that's cliche, and a lot of people know, but it's a great reminder for all of us that we should never doubt in the dark what God has clearly said to us in the light. Mm that God is faithful, and His timeline is endless, and He has the fortune of knowing how all of these things are going to play out, and because we have a history with our God, we know that He can be trusted, hmm. even in those really difficult times. And so we, um, in this process, both of those were African-American moms having African-American little girls, 
and we were open to whatever and whoever, and we felt like God kind of moved our hearts. And so we called our agency and took the funnel from very large, meaning any child, to very small, saying we would like an African-American little girl. And God blessed us with that. We have a relationship with our oldest daughter's birth father. And then three years ago, we adopted our youngest daughter. who We have a relationship with her birth mother. And three weeks ago, uh, her birth mother and her brother and sister came and spent the weekend with us at our house. And it was just a really, really sweet time mm. where there are two families that are loving on this, this little baby girl. Wow. Wow. Um, adoption... <laughs> Adoption really is at the center of the gospel, you know, when you when you think about it. Um, sure. Can you can you maybe talk a little bit about that? Because I know, we, you know, your experience now as an adopted father, um, you know, you now have a little different, you know, insight into this idea that any person who calls themselves a Christian is actually adopted as well. Can you talk a little bit about that and what Scripture has to say about that? Yeah, you know, the, the beauty is that when, we, when the, the, the Gospel writers, Paul specifically, begins to talk about us being in Christ, and those of us that are in Christ, that we have been adopted, that we've been made sons and daughters of the King. And when you think that, when you first read it, it's easy to think, well, I don't want to be adopted. You know, I want to be a, a blood child. I want to be that being, I want, you know, I want to have what some people will inherently call a real mom and a real dad, whatever that means. I know what they mean by that, but sometimes that's hurtful. Well, Pinocchio but, said he wanted to be a real boy. <laughs> that's right, that's right, and, and he got his wish. True story. <laughs> but the beauty of adoption, and a lot of people don't know this, is that all three of our sons that are biologically born to us, we could put up for adoption seat. We could put them up for adoption and go through that process, hmm. but we could never do that with our daughters. Short of us being negligent parents or, um, or cruel parents, our, our daughters couldn't be taken from us. Once you're adopted, don't miss this, you can't be unadopted. Wow. How beautiful of a picture of the gospel of that, that Jesus died once and for all. That no man can take you from the hand of God. Hmm. And so, you know, I will tell people sometimes when we're talking about parenting and that, you know, if, if, if you are a parent... I learned more about the heart of God being a parent than I ever did in all of my seminary classes. That's right. Combined, just the the how loving and patient because of my lack of patience and, and my my lack of, of of tenderness and how forgiving and how graceful and merciful the Father is as children that He is with us because we know just in a little bit how much what we deserve. We don't mm. truly know. <laughs> But, you know, sometimes it helps me to be a much better father when I think about in light of the goodness of God in my own life. Amen. And and something about, you know, something about the idea, um, you know, and you would know this better than me, something about the idea that when you adopt, you choose. You yep. you you get to choose. And and I just love that picture that and and, and here's the thing, people people that want to adopt and they choose so, some people they 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 will adopt 
into a messy situation, right? That they, they, yep. they'll adopt maybe a child who's 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 you know who's whose biological mom was strung out on drugs or something, knowing that who they're getting, they're getting the problems and the medical issues and everything that comes with that, knowing that that this might be something that extends far into the future, and there's sure. great personal cost to the parent who's adopting. And man, when you were talking, I was thinking, I love the fact that God knows all that when he chooses us, that he knows the mess that he's getting. He understands that, listen, this is going to be, you know, not, not in a bad way, but this is going to be a project. I understand the hurt and I understand, you know, and I'm in this because I'm choosing you. And there's, man, something beautiful about just about the heart of God that says, I want you. And I love what you said, man. It's so spot on is that you can't unadopt afterwards. I, I didn't know that. that that's, that's actually yeah. great. Um, yeah. Well, none of us, you know, none of us, does, well, none of us come to the kingdom because of what we bring to the table. Right. <laughs> you know, like Jesus, he, he, his... Okay, go ahead, Stephen. Pick up where you left off. So when we come to the Father, it's not because of anything we bring to the table. It's ultimately because he sees that we need him, and he does a redemptive work in all of us that we need when we surrender to him. Hmm. Hmm. Um, you know what, Stephen, in the next, um, in, in this last couple of minutes, um, you know, you guys, when I was out there, you guys were going through this, through this circles presentation where you were sharing the gospel, you guys put some cool little videos together. Um, if, if you are going to share that in a, in a minute and a half, you know, presenting the gospel clearly, what would you say? How, how, how would you present that? Yeah. Well, Steve, as people who believe God's Word in its entirety and believe that it's true, when we look at Scripture, we see that God created the heavens and the earth. That's the way the book of Genesis begins. And nothing works or knows best how a creation works better than its creator. And so God's plan was perfect. His design was for us to know Him and make Him known. There was no sin, there was no shame, there was no racism, there was no famine, there was no political turmoil. And man chose his own way. And any time we deviate from God's design, it takes us to a place called sin. I've got sin in my life, you've got sin in your life, and everybody else is listening. We all have sin in our life. And that takes us to a place in brokenness. When we look on our TV, our smartphones, in our own lives, we see brokenness. And we recognize that, and we want out, and so we try to fix it. We try to go this way. Maybe it's through relationships or substance abuse or working harder or attaining more things. It takes us to a place of deeper and deeper brokenness. One minute. God, had a re- God had a remedy in His Son, Jesus. We sent from heaven. He died on the cross after living a perfect life and ascended to the right hand of the Father, becoming the King of kings and Lord of lords. And if we will repent of our brokenness, which is not just admitting our sin, but turning from it, and believe that Jesus is the only way, and call on Him as Lord, we will be able to be saved, and we can recover and pursue God's design for our life once again. Amen. Amen. And the wonderful thing about that decision is everything that you attempt to try in religion to be good— 
to, you know, to please whatever, please God, everything you're doing within the four walls of a church, everything that you think is righteousness is actually given to you in exchange for your sin. It's a wonderful thing. The righteousness that you have is from Christ and not of yourself. We always say this, that a church cannot save you. Your religion will not save you. It did not die for you. It did not bleed for you. A person bled for you. And that person is Jesus Christ. Hey, uh, Pastor Stephen, man, we are out of time for, for today. <laughs> it has been it has been awesome having you. And I think you're actually coming out to Utah soon, too. <laughs> I am. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be my first time out. Awesome, man. I can't wait. Can't wait to see you. So, hey, listen, this has been a, a wonderful time with you, man. I hope we'll, we can have you back on this. Hey, you've been listening to Shouts of Grace, and we will see you next time. God bless. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If today's conversation encouraged you in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. That's shoutsofgraceradio.com. You can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace Radio is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us at Shouts of Grace Radio, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.